Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 481. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. All right. This week on the show, we'll be looking at two movies. We've got Paul Schrader's Master Gardener. We've got Kelly Reichardt showing up. We'll also be going over some watching on the watch list and new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you could give us a review on iTunes, that'd be great. New Save by the 90s is being recorded this week. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you the the theme. It's Kurt Russell movies. So very excited for that. I used to be obsessed with Kurt Russell when I was a kid. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. loved Kurt Russell, man. Kurt Russell. I I loved Kurt Russell and I loved Kevin Bacon. Kurt Russell, Kevin Bacon. Yep. Were they ever in a movie together in the 90s? Not that I'm aware of. Mm. I don't. I don't recall any crossover, but I'm sure that they can be connected in some way. I feel like you should know this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Lost. I don't know. Um. So yeah, we'll. I'll keep you posted on when that's going to be up. Let's talk about which one do you want to start with? Oh, let's do Master Gardener. All right. So we're. Looking at Master Gardener, this is the new one from Paul Schrader. I have a synopsis here. Narvel Roth is a meticulous (laughs) horticulturalist who is devoted to tending the grounds of a beautiful estate and pandering to his employer, the wealthy dowager Mrs. Haverhill. That, That... first sentence makes this movie sound so dry it makes it sound like some kind of boring ass like british Mm -hmm. uh like a teleplay or something yeah no it sounds like it's bbc teleplay yeah without a doubt masterpiece theater type shit um when when she demands that he take on her wayward and troubled great niece it unlocks dark secrets from a buried violent past Oh boy. That's the that's the little that's that, the that's, what, that's what that's what sets it apart from from the uh the masterpiece, the PBS special there. So I feel like this week is this is like your week for movies, really. You got a movie about a horticulturalist, and then you got a movie about an artist. These are like your two big hobbies, right? These are like your t- two of your main interests. Pretty much. It is kind of wild. It's like gardening gardening and art. Gardening and art. And it, even more so, it's like he's at... I can't remember what the gardens... The name of the gardens that he was working at. But I can't, I can't remember either. It's like something yeah. hill or... So yeah. It was some, no, it was something wood, I think. Because hmm. I was like, oh, it's, it sounds like he's completely going for a, a longwood gardens. I can't remember what it was, though. That's like one of my favorite things to do is go to Longwood Gardens. Pine, pine wood, spring wood. I don't know. At any rate, what were your initial impressions of Master Gardener? Oh man, this thing starts off, and I'm—I really didn't know anything about this movie going I, into it. T- to be clear, like I—I I didn't know anything either. Like I went in completely cold on this. And like the, the title on the poster, and I was like, well. It looks like he's dealing with flowers. Like he's a master gardener. Isn't some like euphemism type thing or right. metaphor. Yeah. I mean, kind of, but there was going to be flowers and bam, there was flowers right off the bat. I'm just like, hell yeah, this is me. This is what I love. 
And the funny thing is, is at one point he's talking about uh, having to deal with some aphids and getting a mixture of like neem oil. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been doing the last couple of weeks. Oh, I got boy. an outbreak of aphids just going fucking nuts. Got those like black, those black spots. Oh my goodness. My burning bush is just covered in Ugh. disgusting. And my, my honeysuckles got it. Everything's got it. Neem oil like crazy, but you got to be careful about the temperature. Can't be too hot outside with that neem oil. Just cook it up. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he takes his shirt off, and I was like, oh, fuck this movie. I don't care. It, it, it's definitely... So this happens, I think, exactly 21 minutes into the movie because I was, I was watching the movie, and at the 20-minute mark, I messaged you as I was watching yep. it. I'm like, man, I am loving this movie. And like, and then one minute later, he, a big thing is revealed. And I was just like, Whoa, okay. Now this movie has a completely different, everything is different. Now <laughs> everything in this movie has changed. And it's, um, it was a surprise. It was, it was definitely a kind of a, sh kind of a shock for me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had an inkling because of the haircut. Well, that haircut, that haircut just always leads me to believe something. I, and yeah, I was right. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of thought like he was just maybe on the spectrum or something, and like just kind of an eccentric guy that that maybe maybe did have some some something happening with him in in his past or something because. It it did seem like he had some kind of a checkered past or, or like some some kind of secret, but yeah, man, when they when they do that that big reveal, I was like, I just was not prepared for that. No, and I, I think the the thing for me is the writing from there on out is just so terrible. It's just really bad. I, you know, it's, I didn't. I didn't. So much of this doesn't make sense. Like, why why? Did you decide, like, oh, I'm going to write my diary real quick? I'm just going to pop my shirt. Like, it's such a ridiculous way of, like, escalating the the conflict or, you know, initiating the conflict uh, in I, this movie. I guess it was him looking at himself in the mirror. Because, you know, that's when, like, the the great or the, the grandniece was there. And I guess he started having feelings for her. And I think that that's when he revealed when he took his shirt off and revealed it. And, um, I, I think that he was like looking at himself in the mirror and kind of, um, reminding himself of, of his past. And I agree with you that the, I, I wouldn't say the dialogue or the writing is, is bad. I think that it, it seems to be kind of in line for like Schrader's, style of dialogue which is not always natural it, it it will often feel kind of stilted and not necessarily realistic but i i don't necessarily mind that i will say yeah. that i will say that it, it did lose me a little bit uh as it as it progressed but i still and, and this is something that that happens with a lot of paul schrader movies is that there is always a point where things change in his movies and there's like a big turn and usually it's so drastic that it will immediately lose people. But, um, like for me, 
I still think that he's an amazing director and I was, I was still on board with this for the most part, um, all the way through. Mm. No, it lost me big. I necessarily that the point that I was saying, I was kind of exaggerating there, but then his decision to pop the shirt off while he's writing in his diary. He's like, let me go ahead and pop this off real quick before I start writing about bushes and shrubs, etc. And then, of course, that initiates the con- the conflict that we have here, which is ridiculously uh, kind of cleared up by her just kind of like popping into the room and be like, you "That know was what? too, dude." That I just was. It's just like you got to be fucking kidding. That me. was that was a little too much. I, that felt. I don't. I don't know. How, like that. Uh, that almost felt like Schrader just being kind of a perv, really. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. It, it, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't feel right. How she came to terms with it barely a con- really not a conversation to be had about it no. there was an attempt at a conversation but it didn't really go anywhere and i f- just i feel like she was way too accepting of it and i also love and this is this is a minor spoiler so maybe just like mute for like 30 seconds or t- even 20 seconds but that the line that he says where when he's talking to Sigourney Weaver at the end and he goes, um, we will live. What did he say? Like we will live in the guest house as husband and wife. And I'm just like, yeah. Ugh, yeah. I, I mean, between that, I mean, their whole relationship and how that's like, just kind of glossed over after she's so, you know, rightfully incensed. Like she's like emotionally distraught. Right. She, she is. And then she's just like, Oh, Let's move on. I, I mean, at first she's met with violent anger at him. Like she, you know, she throws that, that cup in the, in the diner and it, she, she's reacting how most people would react. But then, yeah, her decision to just be like, you know what? I, I, I love this guy. What, what she didn't ask him was, so what are your, what how do you, what are your beliefs now you know like yeah. i mean how do you how does she know that he's not still like that yeah it's just it, it's paul schrader being way out of his depth here just just tackling something he probably shouldn't be tackling because yeah. he's just like ah she gets over it and now they're ah, she'll, get it. she'll get it time for them and then and then, of course, he has that violent past or whatever, which, of course, they make that he makes it into this, like, you know, stoic, like, uber hitman type shit that every movie has to have for some reason now. And the fucking part of it that irritates me even more is that, like, part of his redemption arc is getting to tap into that again to go after some drug dealers. Yep. Like, this whole movie is just just straight trash, trash. Um, I it wouldn't. Nice. The, it looks great. The directing's great, but everything else is just trash. Yeah, I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call it trash. I think I I I enjoyed it overall. I think despite the kind of strange choices made with it, but I'm kind of a. I'm kind of a Schrader fanboy. I, I I think I forgive him a lot more than other people, uh, other, dire- I, other directors who make the same mistakes. Yeah. 
I don't think you're not alone. I see a lot of Schrader apologia. And I love that there's like that slow-mo montage of like two guys just completely fucking those gardens up. <laughs> I'm just like, how <laughs> two dudes gardens that much before anyone does anything? How did they like, how did they nuts. know? Did they know through the 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 niece that what what garden he worked at? But it is funny, like they they probably had to stop off at Home Depot before they went. Right. Likely unless they, they unless they took the tools from the, the shed. From the Which shed. by the way, I thought about this too. Like this is like a hot this, this is a high end garden, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is a this is a super nice garden. Rare rare plants, you know, meticulously oh, yeah. manicured, all this stuff. When you when you see their little shed, they're they got the oldest tools. Shit looks like it was from the eighteen hundreds. And they had like one shovel and like two hoes, and it's like, D- what? That's that's all you're working with, huh? Like, maybe maybe get some new tools, man. Make make yeah. your lives a little bit easier. Yeah, got it. They, they definitely got to upgrade them, upgrade that shit. The other thing that, and this is something that happens occasionally in movies with plants. Like these guys would just be like, pop a, a pop a plant out. You know, like in the little, in the little potting soil, you know, and they'll just dump it in the ground. It's like you got to rip them roots up a little bit. You can't just pack it in there like that. Come on, do your homework, guys. Master gardener, my ass. Narvel, fucking (laughs) Narvel. Narvel Roth. Great performance by Joel Edgerton, though. I will say that. I did enjoy him. He was really good in this. I allow myself one per day. (laughs) (laughs) I do like that there's uh, both of the movies that we're going to talk about have the same pose from the from the lead. You know, one's wearing an apron, one's wearing overalls, but they do the old hands behind the behind the apron top. Mm -hmm. Both got it. All right, so that's Master Gardener. That's available on VOD right now. Let's go ahead and give it a score. Uh, For me, I'm at like a Five, I'm in like a five and a five, five and a half, somewhere, somewhere there for me. All right, I'm at a two, two. Kevin two. says avoid the nice, pretty flowers are not enough to save this one. No, not at all. Fuck off, Narvel. You were, you did not like. The card counter either if i remember correctly no but i like the card counter more than this card counter was okay but if it just felt like a steep drop off from uh first reformed yeah well i would say definitely on both accounts uh, all right let's move on and talk about showing up this is directed by kelly reichardt i have a synopsis here An artist on the verge of a career-changing exhibition navigates family, friends, and colleagues in the lead-up to her show and finds that the chaos of life becomes the inspiration for more great art. Now, uh, Michelle Williams stars in this, and she's a a sculptor. That's not your preferred medium, Kevin, but regardless, we'll start it with you. What, What were your initial impressions of showing up 
showing up. This is I love these types. Just low stakes. Just yeah, just slice yeah, of man. life. Just living living life, man. Yeah. Just but and it's shot wonderfully. Looks great. The soundtrack is great. Andre Benjamin's just doing his flute thing. Doing a little flute, little flute action. Killing it with the flute. Especially at the end. That sequence with like all the power lines and the his he's doing his flute thing. Oh yeah. Killed it. Fluting it up. Uh, yeah. I, I just I don't this is just such a nice like Sunday afternoon movie for me. It's kind of funny because I agree. Um I, I enjoyed this quite a bit as well. And I was thinking about it and like this is a movie that that I just I enjoyed so much and it just it brought me it brought me happiness which is kind of funny because the movie itself I think is not very happy at all like I feel like it's a pretty for the most part it's kind of a depressing yeah. experience <laughs> but yeah. but I I, I I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed it. I just, it's like one of those kind of very slight movies that just washes over you and you, you know, you come into the lives of these people and all of, all of the characters feel incredibly fleshed out and you spend this, like these, like, you know, this very small moment of these people's lives with them. And then you just leave. And it was just like this kind of, you know, very fleeting, experience that you have with these people like a little doorway into their lives and i just i just enjoyed it so much even though i I will say like i didn't think that michelle williams character was a particularly likable or relatable in any way but i still enjoyed the movie quite a bit i liked all all of the like the the pigeon stuff and like all of that i just thought was great yeah, and I think, like, I could see her not being likable, but at the same time, I think if I didn't have hot water for that long... I'd be, yeah, yeah, be it's easy, yeah, it's, it's easy to forget about the hot water thing, and just f- think about how frustrated you'd be all the time. Like, you would just, yeah. you would be in a permanent state of just on edge, Yeah, because you can't shower. No, because that's the great reset in life, right? Exactly. A nice, a nice warm shower. Just wash it all away. Just wash oh, it, it all just... away. Start fresh. Boom. Instantly refilled, re-energized, ready to go. Kind of just resets you completely. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get that. She doesn't get it, but I still didn't like her. Um, <laughs> John Majera's in this. He's great. He plays the, I would say, slightly unhinged brother. Slightly, he has six holes in his back. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> Digging holes. He's. <laughs> what are you doing? What's it look like? <laughs> digging holes. Just digging holes. Uh, yeah, it, it is kind of weird. Like you see a grown man. Like you're a child. Digging holes is expected. You know, you you see kids digging holes all the time. That's normal. You see yeah. like a thirty-something-year-old man digging a hole. And it's not just well, like he's either digging a grave or he's lost his mind. Well, and that's when you know something's up because the hole is up to his head. Yeah, that's when you like. That's when you know you're not dealing with a functional hole. And he, and he said something. Like, what, 
what do you say it was like a mouth he's like oh these are these are mouths or something yeah and i was like oh okay yeah yeah he's not he's got he's, he's, he's got some problems andre yeah. 3000 in this and he's great i loved andre 3000 in this mm-hmm. man i, I want to see more i want to see him acting more something something tells see- me something tells me we're gonna see more of him and I need more of like what he's doing here, which is acting and then also providing the flute. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, what, what more do you want? It's perfect. Yeah, he's he's great in this. Um, great cast all around, I would say. Yeah, Judd Hong Hirsch. Chow. Judd Hirsch. Yeah, uh, Hong Chow. Yeah, Hong Chow plays the landlord slash neighbor slash kind of friend, I guess. Yeah, and it's, she plays it so well because so fucking irritated with her character. It's mm-hmm. irritating the shit out of me. You know what I mean? Like, first, you're not giving me the hot water if I'm Michelle Williams. Second, now all of a sudden, you're making me take care of this pigeon. And there's also that kind of rivalry that that's there, too. That's It's not really explicitly explored, but it seems like there's probably some jealousy and some you know, competitiveness that's happening because she's an artist also. And she also has like a, um, she also has two shows that she's, that she's working on. So what did you think about the art? The art, I like, ah, I like the drawings, like her sketches Mm. for her Mm -hmm. sculptures. I enjoyed those. Um, the sculptures themselves, they were okay whatever um i liked the burnt character one. The, the, the what the burnt one the burnt well the one that oh, got yeah, burned yeah. i think that was the best one well she she said in the movie that it was her best piece but i also think that it was like you know very fitting that it got burned and it yeah that was like her right that that was like uh that sculpture was of of her you know like you, you just it's okay you know what i mean simple yep so that's just simple nice movie uh, i thought it was a lot funnier than i was kind of expecting it to be i mean it wasn't laugh out loud funny but it's just there was just a, like a there was a dry like a dry humor yeah. to it just a you know small moments smile on your face type thing yeah the 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 bickering between family members was you know it was pretty funny it was pretty light and that's what I would say about the whole movie in general. Like it was, it was light. There was conflict for sure. There was some like bitterness in the movie, but not nothing that would be like overwhelming or anything like that. It was still a very entertaining, you know, enjoyable watch. Hell yeah. Yes. So yeah. Uh, Kelly Reichardt, uh, once again, just, yes just crushing it over and over again i mean like she just every movie every movie like yeah just killing it man yeah without a doubt and she's not doing anything like crazy special nope i mean she's doing something special in terms of like simplicity and authenticity i think i i think that that's the thing is like i i think a lot of other directors, if they were to try something like this, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. I think that she has something special and that she's able to tell these really understated stories 
and do so in a a a visually compelling way and b she's able to develop these characters in such a way that it, if they feel like real people but the, but it's not like boring it's it's not too dry or or, or so realistic that like it just comes off as yeah boring is the best yeah. way that i would yeah. describe it she's able to to kind of thread that needle in a in a really amazing way so yeah she's just man every one of her movies just so good 100 percent agree now speaking of of which where does this like stack up if you were to look at Reichard is this like can can you rank this can you can you throw this in a Reichardt rank I mean I'm because I just pulled up her filmography right and the only thing I haven't seen is her first one River of Grass from 1994 it's the only one I haven't seen because I was gonna say this is up there but then I'm like damn first cow is great mm. old joy was great certain women was great Meek's cutoff was a surprise. The only one that I really didn't like from her was Night Moves. I thought that was eh. But I don't know. Yeah, I think I would put this up there. I liked Night Moves. I mean, I thought that was fine. I think Wendy and Lucy, I don't know. I have to rewatch that one. It's been it's been too long. Um yeah, like I, I re- that one for whatever reason just really stuck with me. Even though I'm looking on Letterboxd, I only gave it a three. Um it yeah, that one really stuck with me. Meek's cut off. I gave four certain certain women. I gave four and a half. First cow. I gave four. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know where this one ranks for me. It's up there. They're all up there. Really. They're just they're good. They're all good. She's really good at what she does. Absolutely. Um. All right. Let's go ahead and give this one a score. What are you gonna give? Showing up out of 10 i'll give it like a eight and a half i am sitting at an eight on this one highly recommend it this is on vod right now let's go ahead and talk about some of what we've been watching i believe it is your turn this week kevin oh okay i got i watched uh self-portrait by joey Walenga on uh movie your movie.com and uh i Realized that there's a lot of movies that came out on movie recently, or what I thought was recently, that I've been really waiting to see. So I figured I'd start playing catch up. And they came out a lot longer ago than I thought. Mm. So I have a lot of catching up to do. So this is my first one. This is like a like a pseudo documentary of sorts. This is a like a cut together of surveillance camera footage uh collected over the last four years right so Walinga just goes and pulls together all this surveillance footage from cameras all over the world and just kind of does this like blocking of it starts them with like winter scenes spring scenes summer scenes autumn and then a little bit of winter at the end again so it's kind of like a, a mixed bag of sorts but the surprising thing for me here is that like there's a lot of surveillance footage that is just like incredible landscape shots. Mm. So you're just like, well, uh, well, why is there a surveillance camera here? Mm. I like, I appreciate it. 
I'm glad, but it's like, man. And then, you know, of course, that might, you might get that one shot, right? Where there's just like this beautiful, beautiful, like late front, like down in a valley, mountains flanking the sides. And then the next shot is like a garage parking lot. Yeah. So it's kind of that mix back and forth. It's short. It's only 66 minutes long. So obviously for me, it didn't wear out. It's welcome. It started to, it started ishing up against that, that threshold. Yeah. I think I, uh, this one sounds like it'd be tough to have it be yeah, any, you, any, you, any major length. Yeah. You have to be, you have to be in the right frame of mind for this because it's, it's silent. There's not, it's surveillance, you know, I mean, there's some like ambient noise, but outside of that there's really nothing going on so it's like a light recommend for me if you're into that kind of thing if that kind of thing what i just described you're like hey man that sounds interesting well let me ask you this you like it are there any are there any scenes that involve clips of ring doorbell cameras where people are falling on their front porches no okay well then i'm not interested uh, uh so that's that's self-portrait on movie I saw Reality, which is uh, directed by Tina Satter. This is on Max. We can check it out there if you have Max. Not HBO Max. Max. Got to get in the habit of saying that. So this movie, if you're not familiar, is about a a, a woman. It's about Reality Winner who was in in 2017 she was charged with espionage and and she was convicted and what this movie is is it's a it's a reenactment of the fbi interview with her so there's no script this movie is the transcript of the inner the fbi interview so everything in this movie is word for word an exact um depiction of what was said in the FBI interview, which is kind of interesting. Like, I don't think that there's any other movies that do this. I mean, there's certainly there's movies that incorporate actual quotes from like transcripts and stuff and portions, but the entire movie is the, a recreation of the interview. So it's, kind of an interesting experiment it doesn't always work um but i i was pretty compelled by this i thought that they did a good job it's interesting because the transcript is obviously people talking like three like four people three four people talking and there's like dogs barking so they would have like her dog barking in the background there are people coughing, people clearing their throat, um, awkward pauses, like people miss misspeaking. You know, like there's certain things that we that we do as we're like you know conversing with one another that um, you don't really like saying ums and ahs and stuff. Like you don't really hear that in movies too much because they clean it up. You know, like. Mm-hmm. which which actually had me thinking like you never you're never just watching a movie and someone coughs and it's and it doesn't represent the fact that they're about to die you know like that's the only time you hear somebody coughing in a movie there's something very wrong with them they don't just cough like people do in real life 
or sneeze or clear their throat yeah. uh, unless it's for a very specific reason. But yeah, in this movie, it's it's all in there. Uh, for, I think for better and for worse. I think that some people may find this to be way too dry um, because it is literally just an interview with between like two FBI agents and this young woman. And um, but I found it to be pretty fascinating. So I'd give it a light recommend. Reality, um, good performance by uh, Sydney Sweeney in here as well. Okay, interesting. Uh, I watched. I watched this one Max as well. The new and improved HBO Max now called Max. Fucking annoying as hell. But I watched The Craft, 1996. The Craft. Mm-hmm. 90s, 90s horror classic. Yeah, I finally checked this out because, you know, been enjoying uh, watching the old Buffy TV show. So I was like, man, this is kind of in line with that. Mm. Let's watch The Craft. Mm-hmm. I had this and, on VHS, uh, by the way. I mean, I used to, used to have it. Used to have it. Oh, I don't think so. I do anymore. I mean, my dad might still have it. What? No one fucking cares about what you used to have. I know. You know what I mean? Now you have nothing. Because it would be cool if you had the craft on VHS. That would be cool. It was recorded from HBO. <laughs> so, yes. so it was like the craft and Blank Man and uh, oh, like one other movie all together on the same tape incredible uh i enjoyed the shit out of this movie it's just it's just out of hand like crazy out of hand and you know it's it's not to say that tired old cliche of the same but like it's just like you don't see this anymore yeah you don't you don't see these types of movies i just miss them yep because it's like it's it's kind of serious like it kind of takes itself seriously but not too much you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it just—it knows how to skirt that line. Yeah. Uh, being yeah, like, like sincere um, and genuine, but not being ridiculous. Where you're like, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" Yeah. I would say like like Ginger Snaps is another movie that I think does a good job of of not taking itself too seriously, but also, you know, get, delivering a somewhat yeah serious story. And I don't think I was quite ready for like how i didn't realize like how powerful they would become <laughs> yeah was, they, like pleasant surprise i was like oh shit this is fucking incredible yeah they do they do more than just like little little tricks yeah i thought they'd just be you know be getting in trouble doing some spells and stuff but like they just tap into like the fucking god of the earth so that's something I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> yeah. And I enjoyed where that took me. It's got a pretty because pretty crazy climax. It does. It it really does. And then uh Feruza Balk is just I thought she was incredible in this. She's just Hammered like it that up, man. perfect yeah. Oh man. It's just there's something about that too. I just feel like we don't get <clears throat> like hammy performances like that. Yeah. As much as we used to. Like every horror movie, the villain always got the ham the shit out of everything Mm -hmm. and it was it's so much fun yep uh i think the the craft is an underrated 90s i don't don't know maybe maybe it's well regarded more well regarded now than it once was but i never i still never saw that remake that they did or sequel or whatever the hell it was that came out a couple years ago i I forgot all about that like when i texted you that i was watching the craft and you were I, like, I, yeah the original i'm like 
what the fuck you mean? <laughs> There's only one the craft. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it was pretty bad from what I heard, but cool. That's the craft on Max. Check it. Check that out. I saw Private Parts from 1972, directed by Paul Bartel. Uh, I we had mentioned this one. This this came out uh, a, a remastered edition of this came out on Blu-ray this past week and. Um, uh, I never heard of this movie before, but I am a fan of of Par, Paul Bartel. I liked Death Race 2000 quite a bit. I loved eating Raul. Um, so I was interested to see this. And it the synopsis made it sound like it was going to be full of uh, L.A. sleaze. And, you know, I'm, I prefer New York sleaze, but L.A. sleaze isn't too bad either. And... It's got a lot of that. It's got. It's definitely got some L.A. sleaze to it, where it it takes place. The movie takes place in this uh, really old uh, hotel, and there's all these like strange people living in the hotel. And the movie's about this um, this young woman who it, she's she runs away from home uh, to. I think I think her. They said that her, her father was like an alcoholic. She runs away from home to LA and she, she gets in a fight with her roommate and leaves. And it turns out that her aunt works or owns this, this old hotel. And so she stays, she's staying with her aunt for a little bit. And it turns out that there's a, there's like a serial killer in the hotel and this, this uh, serial killer slash, peeping Tom stalker person kind of develops this like strange, uh, obsession with her. Uh, and it's great. It's, it's definitely, I definitely recommend checking out. It's a little disturbing here and there, some of the stuff. Um, and, and it's certainly, uh, of its time. It's, this is definitely not a movie that would get made today. I can tell you that right now, but, um, yeah, it's, it's worth a look private parts. I might, yeah, I might have to check this one out. This sounds pretty good. It, it's weird. It's not like a, it's not necessarily a horror movie. I, I, I guess I would compare it to Paul Bartel's other movies where it's, it's kind of a comedy, but also very dark. All right, let's look and see what we have in theaters this week. We got the blackening coming out. I'm actually okay. interested in this one. I don't. I don't know if I'm interested enough to see it in theater, but uh, I. I'm not. I mean, I'll. I. I'll watch it, but I don't think I'm traveling to the theater to see. it. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. It. It. It's one that could go either way for me. Like the trailer looked made it look pretty funny, but I. I'm just not sure where that balances between horror and comedy. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like it's kind of it does try to to balance it. What I'm afraid of is it it veering too much towards the comedy side and going like the scary movie route. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like that. It it looks like it is more like there actually are horror moments in it. But yeah, so I don't know. I'll I'll be checking that out when it hits VOD. Uh, we also have Elemental coming out in theaters. That's a that's an animated one. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the Flash is also coming out. That's another biggie. Man, we're uh, we're back. We're it seems like we're back in the in the days where we got like at least a few movies every week coming out. It is. Uh, it's uh, different. We're we're it's slowly getting back to the way we used to be. I mean, the movies haven't gotten any better. No, no, no. They're coming out, but there's more of them. There's just more. There's more of them coming out in theaters. Yes. Asteroid City next week, though. Asteroid City. Can't wait. Uh, all right, VOD. Let's see what we got going on here. Starting with the thirteenth, we got Horseplay. We got Falcon Lake. Uh, Americond. Got Cannibal Cabin. Oh no. You are what they eat. I feel like I've heard that before. I'm sure that that tagline's been used before. Cannibal Cabin. We got Bone Cold. Sometimes we make our own demons. Wonder really? if that's a, one of those metaphor horror movies about no. about addiction or something. Probably. Either that, it's either about addiction or it's about trauma. Yeah. One or the other. On June 16th, we have Pretty Red Dress. Uh, we got Maggie Moore's. Let's see. Midday Black, Midnight Blue. On Netflix, we have Extraction 2. Oh, no. That's, yeah. The much-anticipated sequel to Extraction. Oh, man. There's three people that are just hype as fuck right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> the the one thing about Extraction, it, it, hit, it did have that really amazing single-take shot in it, that, that one scene that is worth checking out that scene. I don't know about the rest of the movie. Uh, also, we have Black Clover, Sword of the Wizard King what? Uh, on Netflix. Black Clover, Sword of the Wizard King? It's an anime. Yeah, it's like a movie. It's a very popular anime, and I guess this is the uh, new movie. Okay. Right. Speaking of anime, I started watching this anime called Angel Cop from 1980. Angel Cop from 1989. Check it out on Tubi. Um, it is it is bonkers, and it's it's so great. It's only like I don't know eight episodes, I think, the whole series. So it's very short, but the animation is so good, and it just oozes like that 80s Japanese animation. But the but the quality is very good, but the content is so over the top and ridiculous. Like it's so violent for no reason. And th- it has this like really weird, like anti-American, uh, like kind of xenophobic rhetoric in it. That is just, it's so weird. It's great though. Angel cop. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much it for VOD Blu-ray this week. Got Super Mario Brothers movie coming out. Uh, Rain Man's getting a 4K release. Insidious getting a 4K release. There's a Shaw Brothers box set that's coming out, which includes, uh, let's see, The Assassin, The Thundering Sword, The Golden Swallow, The Jade, Raksha, The Bells of Death, The Sword of Swords, Killer Darts. 
The Invincible Fist, Dragon Swamp, The Flying Dagger, and The Golden Sword. So check that out. That's uh, 67 to 69. They had it. (laughs) They had insane output, man. Uh, Scream from 1981 is getting a 4K release. Didn't know that was a movie that existed. Looks like Arrow is putting out a Mexican Mexican macabre, Mexico macabre box set. This, mm-hmm. in, this includes uh, four films ranging from 59 to 63, including Black Pit of Dr. M, The Witch's Mirror, The Brainiac, The Curse of the Crying Woman. Uh, that's wait, that's an indicator series. I don't know if that's different than Arrow. That might not be Arrow, actually. Indicator series. Uh, we have a double pack bog and Mako jaws of death. Oh, no. Um, and then we have the great train robbery from 1978 project alf from 1996. Don't know what that is. Is it an alf documentary or something? No, it's like just an actual alf movie. They made an alf movie. <laughs> I, I guess so. I don't know. Oh, it looks like it's a TV movie. Maybe. It's on Tubi. Yeah, it looks like it was a TV movie. Well, it's on Tubi now. Yeah, there so you just watch it on there. Do it. There's another indicator series box set here, which is From Hollywood to Heaven, The Lost and Saved Films of the Orman Family. And this includes If Footmen Tire Tire You, What Will Horses Do? Okay. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh Time running time uh sorry, the burning hell. The Believers Have In, 39 Stripes, The Second Coming, Untamed Mistress, Please Don't Touch Me, White Lightning Road, (laughs) The Girl (laughs) from Tobacco Row, 40 Acre Feud, The Exotic Ones, The Grim Reaper, The Sacred Symbol, and I think that's it. Jesus Christ. That's a big, that's a big one. Yeah. I have not seen a single one of those movies either, so might have to. I might have to look into this. Please don't touch me. (laughs) Please don't touch me. (laughs) White Lightning Road. All right. Let's see. The Sword in the Stone from 1963. That's the Disney one. Looks like it looks like some of the classic Disney movies are getting re-released here. Uh, Peter Pan is also on that list. Yeah. Witch Trap from 1989 is getting an MVD Rewind collection release, as is Kill Zone from 1985. Um, there's a Donnie Yen movie coming out called Sakura. Uh, question, a Question of Silence from 1982. The Witch's Mountain from 1973. Mm. <laughs> there's an anime coming out here called My Senpai is Annoying. <laughs> Love that. Uh, that's that's kind of it. What about Criterion's? Oh, we got we got one, and that's Time Bandits from Terry Gilliam. And you know what? Getting a new 4K and everything still has that cover. Nice. I hate that cover so much. It's it, the thing is, it's like it's recognizable. Like you, like you know it. It's like you, you're. True. You're just, you're scrolling and you see like, you know, there's like hundreds of 
covers that you're scrolling through and then bam there's time bandits right there you're just like yep that's time that's that classic time bandits i don't want to watch it but there it is i have a feeling that that's what everyone says when they see that cover they're just like oh yeah time bandits and then they just scroll past it uh, all right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, consider re- re- uh, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>